0: Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. Message. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to look at seven verses uh, this morning. And as we're continuing in our series, nevertheless, what a timely opportunity, timely opportunity, um, I guess just God's sovereign work, where we're actually going over First Peter, where there are a lot of issues of um, suffering, difficulties and hardships. And I believe that God was preparing us for such a time as this. So really thankful for that. So First Peter, uh, chapter five, verses one through seven. just have it open. And I wanted to just start off and just ask a question. I'm wondering how many of you have ever dreamt or wanted to be famous or well-known? You could just kind of raise your hand if that was you. Uh, I don't know about you, but yeah, I think all of us have some of those dreams where we aspire to be famous or do something significant that can make an impact in the world. And I know for me, as I was kind of thinking through this, um, right away, I I realized, well, I'm not famous. Well, not the Hollywood type. And as I was thinking about this, a story that came to my mind was when I was in Michigan, back in the United States, um, as you know, that in Ann Arbor, the total population is 120,000 people, and just here in Hong Kong, in some of these huge apartment complexes with multiple towers, I mean, you can get up to 50% of Ann Arbor's population right there in that small, condensed place. And so, what happened was that when I was in Michigan on the um, on the weekends, as Some of you probably know it's always busy with a lot of church ministries, uh, meeting up with people. And then on Mondays, I I would love Mondays because that's a time where I could just kind of decompress. And so what I would do is I would go to another town just right next to Ann Arbor so that I can just kind of get away. Because what happened was that as I was in Ann Arbor and going to some of these cafes, uh, I would at least meet one person from church that I would know. And I didn't want to be that mean guy, so I would always say hi, and then sometimes I would talk with them. and so I realized the best place to go is a town over and As I went over to the town, um, one of the things that uh, one of the things that I was able to experience is just more solitude and this quietness. And as I was thinking about that, I realized that when you think about Ann Arbor, so I, I want to show you this picture. This is Ann Arbor. Um, this is pretty much about a 46 kilometer in size, so almost roughly about maybe 28 or so miles square footage that in, in Ann Arbor. But I want to kind of zo- zoom out a little bit, and you realize that it's a small little town in Michigan, so it's not that big. And then you zoom out even more all the way to the United States, and you realize it's a small little dot. And as I was thinking about this, I realized that being known and to be at a place where you want to make an impact, sometimes you wonder, will we ever do this? And what God had to kind of work in my own heart was just just a heart of humility to realize that I cannot try to do whatever I wanted to do on my own. And so God had to work on my own heart. Uh, that I'm not going to be famous, that I'm not going to be this evangelist or this person uh, on TV. And so through that whole process, I think God was trying to show me that there's something more significant uh, about life than trying to be famous. And so some of you probably know Will Smith, and he has this show. uh, It's called Ask Uncle Will. And so there's different people who will come on the show, and then they'll ask him different questions. And I thought it was really interesting because this girl asked him about what it meant to be famous. And would he have changed anything or would he want to live a different life? And I wanted to kind of show you this quick video and kind of see his response. And I thought it was very interesting from someone who's really famous uh, just to see what he will say. So let's watch this video together. As you know, uh, being famous has its perks but as he was sharing, there's some downsides to it. And one of the things that I began to realize as I'm getting older is that it's very difficult to find very well-to-do, very famous people who are humble. That's why I think when we think about some of these stars and some of these people who are really well-known, when they are humble and they're down-to-earth, something about that brings a realism and something that's very attractive. John Ruskin said this, he says, I believe the first test of a truly great man is his humility. I do not mean by humility, doubt of his own power or hesitation in speaking his opinion, but really great men have a feeling that the greatness is not in them, but through them. That they could do or be anything else than God made them. What a great reminder that even though they have all these talents, they know that it's because of God who's enabling them to do all these things. But I think the true test of humility is how we respond when we're facing difficult times. Because that shows us who we really are. And the question is, are we able to trust in God when things are very difficult? Are we able to really turn to God when we realize that there's no one else to turn to? So I want to talk a little bit about humility and how that's tied in with just even leadership and how God works in our lives as we come to chapter 5 of 1 Peter. And so the one thing that I want us to remember is simply this, that when we see God as our necessity, then we will live life with humility. That when we see God as our necessity, that he's all that we need, he's what we need, that's when we will begin to live life with humility. So just to make it somewhat interactive, can you turn to one person next to you and tell them what the one thing is? Why don't you go ahead and do that right now for the next six, seven seconds. Amen and amen. I'll give you an opportunity. If you don't like the person you're sitting next to, you can move around right now because we're going to do some more interaction. But if you like them, then that's good. Well, let me go ahead and talk about two things that we must believe and put our trust in so that we can see that God is our necessity. We need to start there, that God is what we need. And then I want to talk a little bit about how that will help us to live in humility and how that's a vital part in learning how to overcome suffering and difficulties and hardships in our lives. So let me first start off with the first point. The first point is simply this, that God will direct us, that we have to remember that God will direct us. Let's go ahead and look at verse one, and here's Apostle Peter starting chapter five, and this is what he writes in verse one. He says this, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Let's pause here and just let me establish what Peter is trying to say as we move forward. In the start of chapter 5, the apostle Peter addresses the elders who are the shepherds of the church. And it's interesting that he includes himself here as a fellow elder. He's not lording it over them, but he's a fellow elder and he's speaking from experience because he witnessed the sufferings of Christ. I think this is very important, that he actually saw Christ, not only in the times that are good, when he multiplied the fish and the bread and walked on water, but he also saw the sufferings of Christ when he was dying on the cross, going through the agony and the pain. And I want you to notice the first word, it says so in the ESV, but in the New American Standard Bible, it is translated as therefore. So what Peter is doing, he's connecting what he has mentioned in chapter 4. This is very important for you to understand. He is trying to connect what he talked about in chapter 4 of the suffering and the fiery trials that the believers are going through with now this importance of good spiritual leadership. Why that's important? As people are going through a lot of difficulties, why is it that we need good spiritual leadership? And so when we think about this... We come to the conclusion that when trials come, people are constantly looking for shepherds or pastors or leaders who can help them for encouragement and for direction. So during this time of persecution, it could have been easy for any of these leaders, any of these shepherds to just give up because it was too hard. Uh, Many of them had friends who were being persecuted, who were being arrested. And so they were thinking, should we continue to do this? Is it really worth it? But Peter knew that having God-appointed leaders will be critical. That's why he addresses them at this time. Next, Peter shares a little bit more about the role of the shepherd. And we want to understand this as we think about God, who is our great shepherd, who will direct us. Let's go ahead and read verse 2 all the way through through verse 4. This is what the Word of God says. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So here we see the elders were supposed to be the shepherds of the flock. And I want you to also note here that The reason why this is so powerful especially coming out of peter the apostle peter was that peter was the one who denied jesus three times and he was restored by the resurrected jesus three times for those three denials and he restored jesus restored peter by the question do you love me those of you who are familiar with the story and with each of peter's response he says something to the effect lord you know that i love you And then Jesus replies back with, feed my lamb, tend my sheep, and feed my sheep. So here's Peter who understood the importance of directing and guiding God's people. This is why he makes it clear that there should be God-honoring motives for leading God's people. It should be done not under compulsion, something that you are forced to do. It's not for greed. It's not for gain. The things that you can get, whether it's money or fame, whatever it may be. You're not supposed to domineer over people, but you're supposed to be a servant. And I think this is really important because when we think about shepherds and those who are leading and helping people in times of crises, we understand that it is not about our position or title, but it's about your life, how you live. And that's why he says it should be willing. You should be a willing servant. Having the sense of call from God. Eager to serve and setting an example for people around you. I think too often there are spiritual leaders who are not living up to their calling. And this was the situation with the leaders of Israel. If you remember, they were supposed to shepherd or help and direct God's people. But they were very self-consumed. And that's why the prophet Ezekiel said this to those people in chapter 34 verse 4 through 6 verse 11 and verse 15 through 16 let me read it for us and in the yellow will you just interact with us and say it out loud with me it says this you have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured you have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. you have ruled them harshly and brutally so they were scattered because there was no shepherd And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the Sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice." What a great reminder that even though on this earth there are many leaders who fail to live up to their calling and living and helping God's people and encouraging them, especially during difficult times, we see that ultimately it is God who's going to shepherd them. It's God who will lead them. And this is the, one of the reasons why it's so important that we are focusing our attention not on people and situations around us, but we're looking to God and God alone because He is our shepherd. He will direct us. He will lead us. This is a reminder of what Jesus said, who is our great shepherd. And he talked about the difference between a good shepherd and someone who is just a hired hand, someone who... Who just does the job in john chapter 10 verse 11 through 15 in the new living translation this is what the word of god says and please read it in the yellow with me it says this i am the good shepherd the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep a hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming he will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd and so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. Once again, Jesus Christ is our perfect shepherd. And whatever you're facing in your life, whatever you're going through, Instead of looking at to other people or even to the circumstances and wondering if it will change, this is the time where we look to Christ. We look to God and say, God, you are the one who's shepherding me. You are the one who's directing me. This is when you will see the necessity that God is the only one in these situations and circumstances you're facing that he will be able to love you, take care of you, watch over you, and protect you. I'm wondering here as we think about this great and good shepherd, what does it really mean to have him as our great shepherd? I think he's a chief shepherd because what we are challenged with is can we patiently wait for him to work in our lives? Can we see him working in a powerful way that we are in obedience to him? so the crown of glory will be put on us as we see him face to face. How about us this morning? Who do you turn to when you face difficulties and suffering? Is it to Jesus or to somebody else? If you you are a leader in any form, whether in the church or maybe you're a manager or somebody who oversees people in your company, I'm wondering how have you shepherded people under your care? Are you reflecting Christ in everything that you're doing? Not out of compulsion, domineering over them, but learning how to serve and to love people because God has entrusted you with these people into your care. Are we pointing people to Jesus who is the one that can direct us and guide us? So I wanted to take this time and have us break up into pairs if we can, just to talk a little bit more about this so that we can kind of process at this time instead of looking up here and watching me talk the whole time and we want to break up into huddle groups and there are two questions that I want us to kind of think about the first one is have there been people who have shepherded you well through a difficult time what stuck out to you about their love and their care and then secondly is how do you think why do you think it is critical to look to Jesus to direct you during hardships so I'm going to go ahead and give you about eight minutes so that's not a long time so you're gonna have to have four minutes each so try to share quickly and just at least talk through these uh, questions and then there's gonna be a timer on the screen to kind of give you a little bit of a heads up of when we want you to come back so after about eight minutes we'll bring you back together and we'll go into the second point okay if we could come back together Uh, hopefully it was a good time of discussion As we see God being our necessity as He directs us, um, that's when we're going to be able to live this life of humility. And that's one of the key parts of allowing Him to lead, allowing Him to direct us, is having this spirit of humility. Uh, Let me go ahead and cover the second point. So not only will God direct us, but He will deliver us. And this is the reason why He is a necessity in our lives, that God will deliver us. Let's go ahead and read verse 5 through 7. And listen to what the Word of God says. It says this, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. Amen. As Peter just finished his address with the spiritual leaders uh, who are supposed to shepherd God's people we see here now he talks to the younger believers and the people who are younger in age and he mentions in verse 5 that we should accept the authority of the elders who are the shepherds and the reason why this is important is because he is now bringing back the theme of submission if you remember throughout the whole book of first peter he talks about submission, why that's important—whether it's the governing authorities, whether it's in a husband and wife relationship—like this idea of submission, especially during trials and difficulties, is very important. And that's why, when we think about this, as he brings it up again, what he's saying is that it's not a blind submission, but it's a it's an obedience to God and respect for God, and so that we could be a witness. That is the reason why. So he's telling these younger believers these younger kids, these younger people in the congregation. Obey your elders or submit unto them. And as you do, then you're going to be a witness to the truth of who God is. I want you to also notice the phrase, clothe yourselves. It is literally translated as fasten on with a knot or bind to yourself. It has this idea of an apron of a slave that will be tied around a servant. So try to imagine that picture when the apostle Peter says, clothe yourself. He's saying, put on this apron of a servant and so that you may be able to now, as you fasten this knot, you have your identity as a servant of Christ. This idea of humility, this idea of servanthood, I think Peter was probably thinking about what he experienced in the upper room when Jesus tied that towel Around his waist and wash the disciples' feet. Then with this imagery of humility, we notice that Peter quotes Proverbs chapter three, verse thirty-four, as a reminder that God gives favor or he is gracious to those who are humble. Now let me just pause here and just kind of help us to think about this idea of humbling oneself. Oftentimes in the old testament this concept of being humble meant repenting which means turning away from our own desires, our own direction, things that we want to do, and then we turn to God in that spirit of humility. also means, in the Old Testament, learning how to depend on God, realizing that there's nothing on our own strength or power that we can overcome the things that we're facing. So this Old Testament idea of learning how to humble ourselves so God can be gracious towards us It really comes down to learning how to trust in God and accepting whatever comes our way because we know that God will make a way. When God opposes the proud, it means that he is setting himself against. So when it says God opposes the proud, he is literally standing against those people who are living with pride instead of humbling themselves. And that's why God gives grace to those who are humble rather than those who are proud. In verse six and seven, as we read, I want you to also note here that by casting our anxieties on God, it requires humility. I wanna talk a little bit about this because he talks about how we need to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Now, the question that I wanna ask us is, how do we know when a person is humble? And I, I think this is something that we sometimes ask ourselves, like, okay, I see the benefits of being humble, I see the importance of having humility in our lives. But how do we know when a person is humble? And as I was thinking about this, I came up with at least three things. That's not exhaustive, but I came up with three things that will help you to at least indicate for yourself as you do some reflection, as well as with other people to be able to gauge and to understand if they are humble people. So the first thing is this. How do we know when a person is humble? First of all, they admit their mistakes. I think those people who are very quick to admit their mistakes uh, really show a a sign of humility. Uh, Oftentimes, if you're like me and many other people, we have a tendency to defend ourselves or try to protect ourselves. So we try to make ourselves look better than we really are. I I remember just even early on within our marriage, Christina and I, it was really hard for me to admit my mistakes because I just didn't want to do it. I just did not want to lose. I didn't want her to have the upper hand. And even though there were dumb things that I did, but I did not want to say that it was my fault. And just through a process of constant mistakes and just getting humbled by God, uh, now I'm a little bit quicker, especially when uh, mistakes happen. And so this is something that you could just use as a kind of like a check. Is this person or am I quick to admit my mistakes? The second thing is this is that they acknowledge their weakness or inadequacy. I think this is another great test for humility. It's simply that does that person or do you uh, acknowledge some of the limitations that you have, some of the weaknesses that you have, some of the inadequacies that you may have. Uh, Oftentimes people who are proud, they don't want to confess their weakness. They don't want to show how inadequate they are. And I think especially living... In Asia, and it's all about performance. It's all about trying to do good or get that mark. It is so difficult for us to be able to say that I am weak, that I can't do something. And to me, that is a person who is humble, who can confess those things. And that's where God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. The third thing, when we think about when a person is humble, is that they ask for help. So not only do they admit their mistakes, acknowledge their weakness or inadequacies, but they ask for help. You know, we've learned how to become very self-sufficient people, and we don't want to owe anybody anything, so we kind of do everything by ourselves. Uh, Some of us, we just know that when you try to ask for help or try to include other people, it just takes longer. But we fail to realize that part of humility is to be able to say, I can't do this, I need other people who are better, who might be able to do certain things uh, maybe quicker or have greater insights into this. So I I need them in my life. And that's another sign of humility. So when I think about this, I realize that so often many of us, as you're listening to this message, uh, we have to say that we are more proud than humble. And if God is the one who gives grace to the humble, but he stands against or he opposes the proud, I'm wondering in your life right now, as I think about my own life, has there been times when you just felt like you're constantly running into a wall? You, you feel as if there's this, almost this opposition where you can't move forward. I'm wondering if that's God trying to humble you to show you that you, you can't figure everything out. That there are a lot of things you gotta surrender. There are a lot of things you gotta be able to say, God, you're the one who's in control. You're the one who's sovereign, I'm not. I need you. Even when you think about this whole situation with COVID-19, like I really don't know what will transpire from this, but I'm, I have faith and I believe that through this, there's going to be a renewal in the church. I believe that pe- more people are now praying. Another thought that came to my mind even just a couple days ago, as I was reading up on the news, I was thinking about all those people who passed away and the family members who are affected. And what a great opportunity to offer hope to those who don't have hope and to be praying for them, to show the love of Christ, being compassionate. If there's anything that good that could come out of this and God humbling us as believers to get out out of our spiritual slumber and to be able to follow him and obey him, I think that's a praise to God because now he is working in our lives to show us the pride that we were self-sufficient. We were depending on ourselves rather than on him. By doing these things, it shows us that we are willing to risk a lot of things. Think about this. To admit your mistakes, to acknowledge your weaknesses or inadequacies, to ask for help. You are taking a risk. What are the risks? Uh, You can get rejected. Uh, You won't be appreciated. You won't be acknowledged. You might even get judged. But as you do this, one thing you have to remember is God it's gonna show favor in your life. I want you to look at the word cast when you're casting your anxieties. That that word occurs one other time in the New Testament. And I thought it was interesting because it comes from Luke chapter 19, verse 35. And it's in the context of the disciples during Palm Sunday, when the disciples were told to get a donkey for Jesus to ride on. And it says that they cast it or they threw. Uh, things the, the garments onto the donkey that the word casting onto is very important so when you want that donkey to carry something for you you cast it or you throw it onto it and he will carry it and that's why this word is important because Peter's using this and what he's saying is in the same way God is willing to take the burdens and take the anxieties that are in our lives this is what God promises unto us. Jesus does in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Jesus says this, Come unto me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. Why don't you read the yellow with me? And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light let me read to you in the message translation that i thought it kind of had a, a different feel to it but i think all of us can relate to it it says this are you tired worn out burnt out on religion come to me get away with me and you recover your life i'll show you how to take a real rest walk with me and work with me watch how i do it learn the unforced rhythms of grace I won't lay anything heavy or ill fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Psalm chapter 55, verse 22a, it says this, cast your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you. Listen to what it says in the message translation. Pile your troubles on God's shoulders. He will carry your load. He will help you out. As some of you know, Just passed um, some months back I think it was about three four months back from from December to January I was on a sabbatical for two months and one of the things I realized is how fast of a pace I was living my life because that first day when I just didn't have any responsibilities I remember just waking up well first of all waking up to uh, seven hours of sleep which was just it felt unreal and it refreshed my body, definitely. But I woke up and I, my first thought was, okay, what do I need to do? And it literally took me about three some days to finally realize, oh, like I don't have a meeting, I don't have to prepare a sermon, I don't have to go on a phone conference, and just the lightness that I felt just in my spirit. And then a couple things that I've committed myself to was to read some books, or go on some hikes, and just to spend a lot of time in solitude. And it was in those moments that I felt this verse that we read about just being able to cast all my burdens and anxieties unto him for he will give us rest and that's what I felt and I'm wondering for some of us you might not be able to take a long sabbatical but I'm wondering if you can take maybe a half a day on a Saturday maybe even throughout the week if it's just one hour of no social media just nothing to distract you just to be in his presence I think one of the most spiritual things you can do is take a nap yes take a nap To be able to just kind of rest and to just hear from God. And uh, as you wake up, your body will be refreshed. Your mind will be clear. And to be reminded that, not that you're not needed, but God is the one who will take care of everything that is before you. And that's why when you're able to sleep, even though you have a lot of things to do, what you're saying is, God, I trust you. I've done the best that I can, as much as I can, but the rest is up to you. To be able to have that kind of rest... And that's when you realize that all our anxieties, all the things that we worry about, that we cast it onto Jesus, and he delivers us from those things. That's why I think I like what John Piper said when he said, God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, and you may be aware of three of them. Isn't Isn't that amazing? That he is working in your life. He's working in our city. He's working around the world with thousands of things that we don't even see with our eyes. We might just be aware of maybe just one or two or three, but God is so sovereign that He's working in the midst of everything that's happening in your life. I'm wondering if you thought about that, especially for some of you who might not be getting a job and you're wondering what's going on. Maybe God is, that's all you see, but he's doing that because there's something greater he's trying to do in your life. Maybe some of us who are going through some relational conflicts, all you see is the conflict, but maybe God is doing something in your life that you don't even see right now, teaching you how to love, learning how to have greater compassion and understanding. Maybe some of the situation, as I mentioned before, that's happening around the world what, is for, what if it's for the greater good of the gospel going forth and being spread to the ends of this earth? We just don't know. So this is why whatever anxiety, whatever burdens you have, you have to cast it onto God and to God alone. Now, can I just mention one thing about this humbling so that God can deliver us? It's that you have to remember that humbling ourselves is something that we cannot fully do. Let me explain. Because a lot of times we think to ourselves, well, I'm going to try to be humble. I'm going to try to be humble. I got to do this. And you have to realize that even humbling oneself, even though it's something that you have to posture yourself and it comes through prayer and understanding the situation, but you have to be the first one to confess that I cannot even humble myself. I'm so depraved. I'm so dead to because of sin in my life. That only Christ can resurrect that. Only Christ can help us to see the pride in our lives. And so as I was thinking about this, I realized that if we cannot humble ourselves, at least fully, we might posture ourselves and ready ourselves for God to work. Then I realized that what is humbling oneself then? And as I was thinking about this, I realized it's rather learning how to listen and discern what it is that God is doing and then responding. That is how we will be able to humble ourselves is to listen to God discern what he's doing around us and then responding that is the beauty of a Christ follower who is humble and fully surrendered and fully trusting in God we cannot force ourselves but we must respond to God's humbling ways Therefore, how do you respond to various humbling situations in your life? Do you see him as the deliverer as you cast your anxieties upon him? Because he loves you, he cares for you, and because of that, you feel this lightness in your spirit. I'm wondering if you will humble yourself before a mighty God as you're facing some of the difficulties in your life, because the natural tendency is to grab onto and take control, manipulate situations, get things what you, in terms of what you desire, but to say, God, there's nothing I can do, I turn to you. How about us this morning? I'm wondering if you trust God when you're facing the difficulties of your life. Have you observed what God is doing, those humbling moments, because he wants you to humble yourself so that you can receive the grace that you need? I'm wondering how have you responded to him recently? Uh, Some of us who are at home, working from home, Uh, Some of us with families now trying to teach kids online and so many other things going on. Uh, Is God humbling you to show you something that you might not have thought about before. So we wanted to kind of bring a close to this time by breaking up into huddle groups one more time. And the two things that I want us to think about is hopefully you could be a little bit more open. And I wanted us to first at least share what is one worry or anxiety that is gripping you right now? What is that one thing that's kind of causing you to lose sleep, that you can't really get it out of your mind, something that is consuming you? It would be great if you can share what that is. And then the second part is, how can you take verse six and verse seven and trust that when we cast our anxieties unto God, that He will answer us? So this whole idea of humbling ourselves and in the proper time, in God's timing, he will exalt us casting our anxieties onto him because he cares for us so sharing a little bit about that so we'll give you once again about eight minutes and then we'll come back together Uh, we'll give you a kind of a warning like one minute before and then 10 seconds uh, before we come back together so go ahead and for the next eight minutes just pair up with somebody and answer those two questions one okay if we could just come back together and we wanted to close out in this time and as i mentioned before in order for us to really see god as our necessity we have to see him that he's the one who will direct us and he's the one who will deliver us especially with all the different things that are going on the hardships difficulties he is the only one as we cast our burdens unto him and that's when we can live this life of humility knowing that we're not doing this on our own but it's god and god alone who will help us so if I can give us some next steps for us just to kind of think about. And the reason why we do this, we don't want you to just be a hearer of God's Word, but we will be doers of God's Word because He has loved us, He motivates us, and in the Spirit of God that we want to change and we want to become more like Christ. So here are some next steps to think about as we, talk, as we talked about how God is our necessity and then how we can live our life in humility. The first thing is this, set aside time to pray. This is so crucial because if you think about even what the Apostles Paul said, he said, don't be anxious about anything, but with prayer, supplication, present your request to God. There's something about prayer that's tied in with humility, that's tied in with trusting. And so the more you're able to pray, especially during those difficult times, that's when you will build this a humble heart. And from that humility, you can trust in him more, that he's in control, not you. So set aside time to pray. And I've been doing this with even the people that I've been discipling and people I spend time with. I I say, "Let's, let's try to pray at this time or I tell them to write out their prayers and send it knowing that this is gonna help them in their walk with God. So maybe some of you don't do it by yourself. Have somebody else praying with you at a certain time and helping each other say, hey, let's keep each other accountable in that way. So set aside some time to pray. The second thing is this, speak God's words of promise. Speak the words, God's words of promise. There is something powerful when you're able to declare the things that are true and according to what God has promised unto us. Because not only does it help us to kind of refocus, but it kind of musters up strength within our own spirit to say, this is God's word. This is what he says. This is what I believe. This is how I'm going to live my life. So speak God's word. And one of the best ways to do it is when you're studying your uh, Bible, when you're doing your soap. if there's a promise in that passage write it out keep a log of all the promises of God and to be able to declare that sometimes it could be memorization of scripture so in that very moment you can speak those words of truth when you get discouraged when you feel hopeless when you look at situation and you realize it's not going away to humble yourself to be able to speak these words of God's promise the third and last thing is stay patient for God to work too often we want God to work right away but don't it says, in the proper time, he will exalt us, in verse 6. So what I want to encourage us with this uh, fact is that oftentimes, we, we quickly want to get out of the situation when he hasn't finished his work. He, he's, he knows you, he loves you, and he's refining you, and he's trying to help you to work on those areas. And something that I've always told people is that when you're going through a humbling moment, a time of confusion, a time of just you feel like everything is against you. What it's doing is it's preparing you for something else. I hope none of us will ever forget this, that God does everything with a purpose. And that's why when you're going through the things that you're going through, when you're going through the trials that you're facing, is that He is trying to prepare you for something great that you don't even know right now. But this is where you got to have to believe and have faith and completely trusting God. So, stay patient that God is good, that he's working in us. He's going to finish that work in us. I wanted to close out with this video by Ray Vanderland. He is the founder of that the World May Know Ministries. And I I just found it really interesting because he was doing a teaching while taking a group of people to Israel and in the southern part of Israel in the part called Negev. And one of the things that he does is he teaches them about Psalm 23. If you remember, he that li- he makes me lie down in green pastures and by still waters. And he takes them to this one place and he gives them a different insight about this idea of God who is our shepherd, who leads us. Even when things are difficult and things are hard, that we need to trust in him as we humble ourselves. And so he does this teaching, really quick teaching, uh, right there on the spot where that place is. And I want you to try to put everything together of everything that we've been talking about as you're watching this video. Afterwards, we're going to come together. We're going to spend some time in prayer and we'll worship a little bit. And let's really ask the Holy Spirit to use this time to minister to us. So let's watch this video together. I hope you enjoy that, just that teaching. Um, That's one of my bucket list to go to israel and see a lot of the biblical sites but when i first saw that i realized that it was such a powerful reminder at least for me uh, because god always gives us our daily bread exactly what we need and i'm wondering that's the way god made it even just back in exodus you see when they were in the wilderness the israelite people that god gave them manna uh, every day just what they needed was because sometimes when we have too much we forget about god And when we have too little or we think we have too little, that's when we turn away and try to figure out on our own strength and wisdom. What would it be like if every single one of us that we lived every day just trusting in Him for our daily bread? That we'll walk a couple steps and there it is. There's uh, some food. there's, There's a provision right there. And we enjoy them. We're thankful for it. And then he leads us somewhere else and we're following him. And then there it is. Here's the provision. Uh, I think when we live life that way, that's a true life of humility. That's a true life of learning how to trust in him, casting our burdens onto him, saying, God, lead me every step of the way. Uh, may I not go too far ahead of you or too lagging too far behind because I'm discouraged but just in step with you following the good shepherd leading us and guiding us because he will direct you and he will deliver you. And that's why we have to realize that he is God alone that that we need. He's our necessity. And it comes when we have this life of humility to say God we need you and you alone. So I'm wondering if we could just all of us just bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment and what what I want you to do for the next 30, 40 seconds is I want you to verbalize uh, just a simple prayer and that prayer is Lord Jesus I need you I cannot do anything without you and just express to whatever anxiety that you're holding on just say Lord I cast it unto you I don't know if you want to just even use your hands as if you're like throwing it at the foot of the cross Just I cast it before you and so just do that right now for about 30 40 seconds let him know that we need him and we're casting that burden whatever and then we'll worship a little bit together can we just do that right now and rest in you Lord as we remain still and know that you are God the Lord of the universe who made the heaven and the earth made us Lord who are we that you are so mindful of us help us to be humble Lord that's a natural response to knowing who you are and through that we can have complete peace that you are in control that you are going to lead us You are going to guide us. You're going to direct us. You're going to deliver us from whatever situation we're facing. We're confident of that because you are our God. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.